Thank you for taking the time to listen to the sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this, you are challenged by the Word of God, you are built up in love, and that you are drawn more to the person and work of Jesus Christ. We want to remind you, this is never meant to substitute God's good plan for you to be present in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you do live in the North Toronto area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to join us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. Our desire is that God would use this to encourage you with the hope we have in Jesus. Good morning. Uh, so glad to be uh, in front of you today. I uh, want to just turn with me to Psalms 10. Uh, we're going to be looking at a prayer in Psalms 10. I'm just going to read it uh, together with us. It says, Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In arrogance, the wicked hardly pursue the poor. Let them be caught in the schemes that they have devised. For the wicked boast of the desire of his soul, and the one greedy for gain curses and renounces the Lord. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. His ways prosper at all times. Your judgments are on high, out of his sight. And as for his foes, he puffs at them. He says in his heart, I shall not be moved. Though all generate, throughout all generations, I shall not meet adversity. His mouth is filled with curses and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue are mischief and iniquity. He sits in ambush in the village. In hiding places, he murders the innocent. His eyes stealthily watch for the helpless. He lurks in ambush like a lion in the thicket. He lurks that he may seize the poor. He seizes the poor when he draws him into his net. The helpless are crushed, sink down, and fall by his might. He says in his heart, God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will never see it. Arise, O Lord, O God. Lift up your hand. Forget not the afflicted. Why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, you will not call to account? But you do see, for you note mischief and vexation, that you may take it into your hands, to you the helpless commit himself. You have been the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and evildoer. Call his wickedness to account till you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his land. O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed so that man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. Thank you that you've not left us in darkness, but you've given us your marvelous light. Uh, Father, thank you for uh, Psalm 10. Um, we are excited to see what you have uh, for us today, what you would teach us from this psalm. Father, I pray that you would uh, guide my lips, my tongue, Lord, everything that I say, I pray that it would be guided by your spirit so that it would be uh, what you want your people to hear. It would be uh, what pleases your heart uh, to share with us, to communicate with us today. Uh, Father, I pray 
uh, that you would just cause every heart and every mind uh, that is listening now uh, to just be tuned in to everything uh, that you have for us today, God. And Lord, I pray that your word would do uh, what it always does and transform our lives. Pray this for your glory and our joy in you in Jesus' name. Amen. In Psalms 10, uh, we see right away that this is a prayer, a prayer uh, from a psalmist who is facing trouble times. And just like the psalmist, we have all found ourselves at times facing uh, trouble and wondering where God is, feeling like he's far, uh, feeling like he cannot be reached when we need him. And this is exactly the sentiment of the psalmist here. Uh, he starts off in verse one, why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? And this is um, a, psalm, a psalmist who clearly knows the Lord. He uses uh, L-O-R-D in all caps in our translation. Uh, and that uh, refers to Yahweh. Um, that is the uh, relation, relational name that God has given uh, for himself to his people. And it also points to the covenant that God has uh, with his people. And so the psalmist is identifying as one of God's people. He, he identifies, he knows God's ways. And, and so he has an expectation that God would intervene in his time of need. And the psalmist isn't wrong here. In fact, in Psalms 50, uh, verse 15, it says, and call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. And this is why the psalmist has that expectation because God has said that uh, we can call on him and he will deliver us. Um, the reality is even with promises like this, we still find ourselves at times having to deal with the, the moments where it feels like God is far from us. Moments like when we're waiting uh, for a tow truck that is still three hours away, uh, or moments like when you've called for help and you're still waiting on the callback, or moments like when you are waiting for someone who, who's in a position of power to make a decision to do what is right. These are all moments where we wonder um, where God is. We wonder uh, when he will come through. And so from this Psalm, I believe we're gonna see a man who prays to God in this time of trouble. And we're gonna learn that in times of trouble, prayer helps us to trust the Lord. And while we're, when we're going through, we're gonna also learn uh, some ways that we can pray in times of trouble. We're gonna learn that we can pray uh, speaking to God honestly, that we can pray by asking God for help, and we can pray by affirming that God is in authority. And so let's uh, look back at verse two to 11. Verse two to 11 says, in arrogance, the wicked hardly pursue the Lord. 
Let them be caught in the schemes that they have devised. For the wicked boast of the desire of his soul, and the one greedy for gain curses and renounces the Lord. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. His ways prosper at all times. Your judgments are on high, out of his sight. As for his foes, he puffs at them. He says in his heart, I shall not be moved. Throughout all generation, I shall not meet adversity. His mouth is filled with curses and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue are mischief and iniquity. He sits in ambush in the village. In hiding places, he murders the innocent. His eyes stealthily watch for the helpless. He lurks in ambush like a lion in the thicket. He lurks that he may seek the, seize the poor. He seizes the poor when he draws them into his net. The helpless are crushed, sink down, and fall by his might. He says in his heart, God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will never see it. The psalmist goes into great detail about what he's been seeing. And, and we can tell right away that the psalmist is not, um, he's not passively looking at this matter. This is something that is very pressing to him, something that is very urgent, something that he's thought very deeply about, uh, analyzed very carefully. So much so that we can actually see the psalmist interprets the heart and the mind of the one he calls wicked. And, and this is, a very interesting thing. Um, you wonder how the psalmist is able to interpret uh, people's hearts and minds. Um, and it's very clear in the psalm, he interprets their hearts and minds from their actions. When we look in verse two, it says, in arrogance, the wicked haughtily pursue the poor. Verse three, he says, for the wicked boasts of the desire of his soul. He goes through, um, to, to explain how the wicked's tongue is full of uh, deceit and mischief and iniquity. He goes through to explain how the wicked um, pursues and seizes the poor and the helpless and even murders the innocent. The psalmist is interpreting the heart of the wicked on the basis, on the understanding that to sin against others without remorse and repentance requires a continual rejection of God from your heart and mind. And so the psalmist sees the, the pride and the arrogance of the, the wicked as a affront, an affront against God. And and so it's, it's very important that we note that just as the psalmist is able to interpret the heart and mind of the wicked by their actions, it, it tells us that the, the heart and mind, the heart is actually where wickedness comes from. And Jesus actually speaks about this in Matthew when he says that it is from the heart that all wicked, evil thoughts flow. And he goes on and he lists some of those evil thoughts that come from our hearts. And, and with this, we ought, to, we ought to be careful here because it's so easy 
when we read the wicked in the Psalms to, to instantly uh, assume that that can't be us, especially if we've been going to church regularly or if we are able to uh, recite um, core doctrines of the Christian faith, we, we can deceive ourselves into believing that we are not the, the wicked. And, and it's important to see here that the, the wicked is actually being deceived by their pride. They're being deceived by their arrogance into thinking that there isn't a God. And so we are to be careful and, and, and examine our hearts and make sure that, that we in our hearts truly accept God. And it's a beautiful thing because in prayer, this is actually one of the ways that we uh, humbly submit to God's authority. We acknowledge his existence in prayer. We acknowledge his, his um, all-seeing eye in prayer. We acknowledge his authority in prayer. And so as the psalmist honestly expresses what he sees to God as he bears his soul before God, as he expresses the details of what he's seeing in the world uh, that he's in uh, to the Lord, he is humbling himself before God. He's trusting that God will hear him. And it's an interesting uh, picture when we, when we read the beginning, it sounds like the psalmist is, is, has been trying for a long time to, to get God's attention, to, to see God's intervention. Um, and, and, and it says something to us because for the psalmist to still be praying, Lord, where are you? Lord, help us. It tells us that the psalmist has put his trust in the Lord. He's, he's honestly expressing to God what he sees. And honesty in prayer is very important because the Bible actually teaches us that this is a way that we can be sure that God will hear us. In fact, in, in Matthew 6, this is an, a way that Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. He teaches people that they shouldn't pray like the, like the Pharisees and scribes, filling their prayer with a lot of words and um, big words and theological words and spiritual words, um, hoping that by praying this way, they will be heard by God. And, and sometimes we do this as a way of trying to manipulate God, figure if we sound theological, we sound spiritual enough, um, that somehow we'll get his attention above every other voice. But the psalm, um, but Jesus actually goes on to, to teach us that when we pray, that we ought to know that our Father in heaven, he knows what we need before we ask. Prayer is more of a sign of our humility, our trust in God, more than it is us informing God of our needs. But honesty in prayer is one of the ways, just being, being plain, speaking plain to God, being honest to God, is one of the ways that we humble ourselves. And sometimes also we've been taught um, to use very carefully worded and structured prayers as a way of praying to God and, and, and structures like acts, 
like um, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and then supplication are very helpful ways to, to help us guide our prayers. But it's important to see here that the psalmist actually begins in Psalms 10 with supplication. He, he's in a place where um, there's a sense of urgency for his supplication. It's a pressing thing for him. And sometimes that's exactly where we are. Sometimes we've been dealing with something and praying to God so long for something that, that the, the stage we're at when we get to, to God in prayer is supplication. And it's important to see that that's okay. Sometimes that's where we are. And, 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 and being honest to God often means bearing our hearts to God exactly as we are. He knows our hearts. He knows what we need. So the first thing that we learn from Psalms 10 um, is to pray honestly, to speak to God honestly. And the, the next thing that I believe the Psalm teaches us well is to, that we can ask God for help. And we can go on in, from verse uh, 12 to 15, it says, Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up your hand, forget not the afflicted. Why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, you will not call to account? But you do see, for you note mischief and vexation, that you may take it into your hands. To you, the helpless commits himself. You have been the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and evildoer. Call his wickedness to account till you find none. The psalmist confidently asks God to arise, lift up your hand, forget not the afflicted. The psalmist desires that God would both vindicate himself and that he would rescue those who are victims. See, the, the psalmist notes that the, the wicked uh, renounce God and say in his heart, you will not call to account. The, the psalmist is telling us that the, the wicked has continually um, and arrogantly expressed that, that there is no God, that God does not see. This, the, the wicked think in this that, that God is a passive and indifferent being and, and the psalmist is pleading with God, rise, rise, Lord, and, and help us. Lift up your hand, forget not the afflicted. Note that the psalmist isn't taking the matter into his own hands. This is a fundamental difference between the, the one called wicked in this passage and, and the psalmist who's praying to God. The, the one called wicked seems to achieve success by um, their own means, whatever means necessary. They crush the weak and the poor. And, and this is the way that they achieve the things that they want. The psalmist, on the other hand, is humbly coming before God. As we noted before, he's speaking honestly to God in prayer. 
but he's also asking God for help. He's not rising up himself to deal with this matter. He's trusting God. He's not lifting up his own hand to fix the problem. He's trusting God's hand. This is a very important note for us, is that prayer, that humility that that we, we take in prayer when we ask God is the difference between us living a life of wickedness, rejecting God in our hearts, and us truly living, trusting in God. And, and so the, the, the psalmist has a very different mindset than uh, the one he calls wicked here. He goes on in 14, but you do see, for you note mischief and vexation, that you may take it into your hands. To you, the helpless, commit himself. You have been the, the helper of the fatherless. You see the, the psalmist actually begins to remember who God is. He says, but you do see. He knows that God sees all things. He remembers these truths, that God uh, takes mischief. He notes mischief and vexation that he may take it into his hands. He's gonna do something about the evil that is happening. And then he goes on to remember that the helpless commit themselves to God, that he has been the helper of the fatherless. As the psalmist remembers who God is, there's a confidence that we see rising up in him where he puts his trust in God all the more. And I can recall when I was growing up, um, I would, uh, during the summer, I would play uh, basketball, street basketball with uh, some of the other kids in my neighborhood. Um, I was never actually very good at basketball. Um, I wasn't very fast. I wasn't very coordinated. Um, but on occasions, I would get the opportunity to play on the same team as uh, another kid in my neighborhood uh, named Calvin. And Calvin looked like he was uh, genetically constructed to um, to basically excel at any sport where being fast and strong and tall and coordinated was an advantage. Um, and so needless to say, when I was on Calvin's team, I had confidence that I was on the winning team. And so even when the other teams were heckling us, I had as long as I remembered that I was on Calvin's team, I had confidence. And when my shot was horribly off, I just remember that I was on Calvin's team and I had confidence. See, Calvin would not lose. And in the same way, the psalmist, as he remembers God, as he remembers that God is on his side, that God is for him. He regains confidence. Confidence rises up inside of him that he won't lose. And it's from this place that the psalmist can go on in in verse 15 to ask God again, break the arm of the wicked and evildoer. Call his wickedness to account till you find none. The psalmist is basically saying, 
put an end to their crooked success, end their, their reign of terror, and, and, and end it permanently. This picture of breaking their arm is, is remove their means because they've trusted in their own arm, in their own strength, remove from them their means of succeeding in their, the desires of their soul. And he asks God this from this place of confidence because he remembers that God is the one who saves. I love in, um, in uh, Isaiah 59, uh, one, it actually says that, um, he says that the Lord's arm is not short to deliver, nor his ear death that he cannot hear. We serve a God who saves. We serve a God who rescues us. And when we ask for help, when we ask God for help in prayer, we are putting our trust, we are putting our confidence in the God who saves. So the, the psalmist in, in Psalms 10 teaches us to, to put our trust in God and ask God for help. And he goes on, there's one more thing that I, I would love for us to, to learn from this Psalms, this prayer in Psalms 10. Um, he goes on to teach us to, to affirm God's rule. We can read on from 16 to 18. It says, the Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his land. O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed. So that man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. And the psalmist starts off, and it's funny, 16 actually kind of sounds like it could be a line out of one of our worship songs. He says, the Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his land. It's a very affirmative statement that God is king forever. And, and, it, and the reason why it sounds like a line out of a worship song is because the psalmist is actually worshiping. He moves from supplication to adoration. And, and the reality is this is a natural move for us when we remember who God is. When we affirm God's rule, we naturally move into worship. And so that's why this, this 16 actually sounds like um, worship because it is. And he, he's, he affirms that God is eternal, that he will be king forever and ever, that the nations will perish, that all other uh, creatures will pass away, but God is forever. God is eternal. And in the, the Psalms, often when the nations um, are referred to, it actually refers to God's enemies. And so another way of even reading this passage and understanding it is that God will rule, he will rule triumphantly over his enemies, that they will perish from his land. See, the psalmist understands that the nations are only temporarily 
occupying God's earth and that it's only a matter of time before God chooses to remove these, his, his enemies from his earth. And this gives us confidence. This gives the psalmist confidence so that he continues on in his psalms using affirmative language. He says, you will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed. He, he knows, he's confident that God will do what he says. And I, I recall times in prayer where I've, I felt like God was far from me at the beginning of my prayer. There, there was a sense of discouragement. The trouble that I've been facing, similar to the psalmist, feels like it had gone on way too long. And it feels like God, he just, he's, he's delayed justice so long that it's hard at times to continue to believe that he is who he says he is and will do what he says he will do. But just like the psalmist, I've, I've found time and time again that as I remember who God is in prayer, as I affirm who God says he is in prayer, confidence rises up in me so that I can speak confidently about what God said he would do. I can recite his promises confidently to my own heart, to my own soul. And this is what the psalmist is doing here. This is an important thing for us to see. When we affirm God's rule, his authority over all creation in our prayer, we will have confidence. We will trust our God. And the psalmist speaks with confidence. He says, Lord, you will do this so that man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. And this points us to future hope. That's what the psalmist ends off with. He ends off with hope. He ends off trusting God. Prayer in times of trouble helps us to trust the Lord. And the psalmist actually begins, as we remember, with a question, why, O oh Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? And although for us, we, we can recall times where we felt this, we, we experienced these moments of feeling like God is far from us. The reality is that there was only one person who could pray this prayer authentically. That was Jesus. Jesus is the one who was the true humble son of God, innocent in all his ways. And he's the one who was innocently murdered by the wicked. And as he hung on the cross, bearing our sin and shame, he would cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus is the one who could truly pray this prayer as he experienced God forsaking him 
for our sake. And, and in this, we actually see God's righteousness. We see God's justice. Romans 3.26 tells us that God sacrificed Jesus so that as he's passed over former sins, that he would be just and the justifier of everyone who puts their trust in Jesus. And, and so just as the psalmist can look back and see, recall times where God has been the helper of the fatherless, we can look back and see and remember God's justice in sacrificing Jesus to pay for our sins. But the psalmist also looks forward to a day when God would execute perfect and permanent justice. And just the same, when we read in 2 Corinthians verse 5 and 10, it says that one day we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give account for all that has been done in our bodies, whether good or evil. God has promised that one day he will judge and he will give justice. We serve an awesome God that we can trust. And time and time again, we've learned that he is faithful to his word. And the psalmist helps us. He helps us to, to know that in times of trouble, we can pray and we can trust God. And, and he teaches us that we can pray by speaking honestly to God, that we can pray by um, asking God to help us and trusting that he will help. And we can pray by affirming God's rule over all creation. Let's pray now. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this reminder that when we face times of trouble, we can come to you in prayer, that we can speak honestly to you. You're not impressed by a sounding spiritual or theological. You know our hearts, you know our needs, and you call us to pray um, honestly to you, to bear our hearts before you. And Lord, we, we learn that this is an act of trusting you over ourselves, over our um, ideas or our methods of fixing our problems. And, and that we can come to you and we can ask you for help. That you are a God who hears us. You you promised in your word, just as we seen in Psalms 50, um, that when we call on you in times of trouble, you will save us, you will deliver us. And so, Lord, we we pray, Lord, that you would help us to remember to ask you, to trust you would save us. And Lord, we learn to affirm your rule, to remember who you are. Remember that you are God over all creation. You are in control at all times. And Lord, you know each and every one of us and the things that we're going through, the things 
uh, that we may be praying for, we might have been praying for for some time now. And Lord, even in that, we might be feeling discouraged right now. Lord, I pray that you would, by your spirit, just do work to remind us, Lord, who you are. Remind us of what you've done, what you've done for us in Christ Jesus, what you've done for us time and time again throughout our lives in spite of our sinful ways. Remind us of what you've promised to do, that you are the God who is ultimately in control of this world and, and you will bring justice, perfect and permanent justice as you promised. Thank you again for your word, Lord. We pray this for your glory and our joy in you. In Jesus' name, amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit HopeTorontoNorth.com.